You're listening to The Powerful Creator Show with your host, Cheryl Sosnowski. If you can conceive it and believe it, you can achieve it. And now, here's your host, Cheryl Sosnowski. for joining me on the Powerful Creator Show today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I'm excited to talk to you. And I like to start all of my conversations with the same question. And I would love to know what it means to you to be a powerful creator. Um, To me, it means trusting who I am, my true self, and, and, and sharing that with the world, not being afraid to share my true self to the world. Because if I don't I'm going to cheat someone. And what I mean by that is they're not going to get the benefit of it. And I don't mean to be boastful, but if anybody in general doesn't share their gifts and their true self, other people miss the opportunity to hear it and and learn from it and benefit from it. Mm, I like that. I agree with you totally. How did you step into this authenticity of your true self and knowing who your true self is? It, it really began with centering prayer. When I, I had always been attracted to silence, I just didn't know what to do in the silence. And I, I learned of the power of silence, I guess, in 2012, 2013, when I read a lot of books by Carl McCollman, but he didn't really say what to do in the silence. So then I just began practicing silence, not really knowing what I was doing, and it was brutally difficult, and I would try it for a few minutes at a time. But then I came across a book by Amos Smith in late 2013 uh, titled Healing the Divide, Recovering Christianity's Mystic Roots. And in the book, he talked about centering prayer, which is really a silent prayer practice. So I had a, a practice for the silence and began learning more about centering prayer. And centering prayer really has opened up a whole new world for me when I'll say my true self, the person God wants me to be, and the person God is is nudging and daring me to be, I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that because I actually um, am putting a program together called Dare to be Divine because I feel like it, is, it is a dare. It is a dare to show up and to be like to step ever more fully into our the divine being that we're designed to be. Right, exactly. So the centering prayer, my life has changed drastically since I've been practicing centering prayer, to be honest with you. I love that. So for people who don't know what centering prayer is, can you explain what that means? Sure. Centering prayer is is two things. One, it's meditation, but it's more than meditation. It's a, it's a relationship with God. And Centering Prayer was created in the early 1970s, actually, by three Trappist monks, three Catholic priests, kind of as a reaction to tra- uh, transcendental meditation was going on, and they wanted something for um, Christian people. So they created Centering Prayer and then began rolling it out, you know, not just to clergy and priests, but to everyday people going to, doing everyday things. So Centering Prayer has been around since the early 70s. And do you want me to just take a quick minute to describe how you do it? Yes, please. Good, good. So, I mean, essentially you, you sit in a comfortable position. Most people close their eyes. And then to begin the practice, interiorly, you introduce a word, usually a two or three syllable word, uh, such as love, ocean, a color, it, it, whatever you choose. And then whenever you engage your thought, 
your thoughts while you're sitting there in silence. So, and what I mean by that is when you begin planning what you're going to do after your sit, or you're thinking about things that happened before your sit, that means you're no longer sitting with God. So you interiorly introduce that word to bring yourself back to the present and continuously open to the presence and actions of God within. And then you let go of that word. So you really just do that when needed during this silent time. And then at the end of the period, so you can, and usually you set some type, you have some type of timer, or you you can get a lot of apps on your phone that have a timer, and you can set it for however long you're doing it, 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes. So when the bell goes off, um, might sit for a minute or two, just to kind of re-emerge back into the world, but then you get up and, and resume your day. So that's that is the practice, but for some people it is hard because it's hard to sit still and do nothing and let go of your thoughts. And it might, for some people, it might seem like an eternity, and for others, it's not that hard. But that's what centering prayer is. So it's silent, wordless meditation, but also considered a relationship with God. So can you choose a word that would? Um align you closer to God? So you said ocean, I, f- I figure like that's calling in peace or so is this word like an anchor to bring you back to awareness of your thinking so you can kind of wrangle in your thoughts so that you can stop thinking again? I mean, that's really exactly what it is. It's, it's a word to bring you back to the present moment. It's not used as a mantra. So you're not, and there are some forms of meditation where you're using a mantra in centering prayer. It's not something you do over and over. And over. You only use it when you need it. And it's really whenever you're, you're engaging your thoughts, you're, you're following them and seeing where they go. Right. And, then, and if you're spending, and then you're supposed to let go of the word too. So if you find yourself for the duration of your sit thinking of the ocean the whole time, then you might want to find another word because the, it's really just to bring you back to the present um, and then let go of that word. And, and I'll also say some people, you don't have to use a word. I actually use an interior image. Mm. of a, um, it's actually a Jesus icon that I came across from a Richard Rohr meditation that I saw one day. So some people use an interior image. Some, I'm a visual person. If you're an auditory person, some people like to use a short syllable word. Some people are more physical. They'll use their breath. And then there's some people that are fearful, they'll fall asleep. So you can actually open your eyes and just stare at a spot um, five or six feet ahead of you on the ground, perhaps. So I'll call it sacred method. You can pick the method that works best for you, but you're not focusing on the method. You're, that's just to bring you back. So, right. And you don't change the method in the middle of your sit because then you'll spend more time saying, now what should the next method be when I engage a thought? And then you're... <laughs> So does that help or explain the method? Okay, great. It completely does. And so it's, I'm hearing that it is the whole point of it is that when you finally notice if, when your mind wanders as it does, and you finally notice that it's wandered, that you use this word to oop, bring you back, back to center so that you can kind of begin again into emptying yourself. Right. Exactly. That's exactly how it works. So you said that you always enjoyed silence and then you decided to apply silence to meditation or how did that come about for you? Um, I mean, I guess by nature, I'm more of an introvert. I mean, I like people and being around people, but I also am comfortable being alone and doing my own things. So I knew when I had read that it was transforming, I thought, well, I don't mind being alone. Maybe I should try a practice, but I think 
just by when I found Centering Prayer, it just opened up a whole new world for me because I one, it was a practice of what you do in the silence and how can you bring yourself back. And two, God was important to me. So I was, it attracted me because it wasn't just a practice. It was a, a relationship to God where you're, the practice teaches that you're opening to the presence and actions of God within um, and letting God act in you and getting yourself out of the way. So that really attracted me. How have you seen this um, impact your life? You've been doing it for a while now. So can you give us a, an example of kind of a before and after snapshot of when you started utilizing this practice in your own life and your relationship with, with God or the divine? Sure. Um, I mean, the first thing I'll say is I guess we do it because we, we love God and we want to trust the process and get ourselves out of the way. But then God seems to bless us with fruits and, and bless each person with different fruits. So for me, I've definitely noticed since I've been practicing it. So I, I'll say I jumped in the Centering Prayer swimming pool, June 1, 2014, where I decided I was going to, as much as possible, follow their recommendation of two sits, 20 minutes a day. So since then, what I've definitely noticed about myself is um, one, a ton more confidence just in myself, um, nudges to get out of my comfort zone and try and do new things, you know, more inner peace and calm. I, I'm a less reactive person. So if someone says something to me, um, more, it's, um, it's easier for me to not react and listen instead of maybe prior to that, maybe I, I would be ready to start a, an argument and, and disagree instead of just listen. And I would say even just an excitement for life that I didn't have before. Hmm. And, and then, and I, and I never imagined, you know, I, I wasn't planning what my life would be. So prior to Centering Prayer, I, I didn't really know or have any goals of, you know, or what is Rich Lewis doing in the next five and 10 years? Well, since Centering Prayer, all of a sudden, you know, I have a website, silenceteaches.com, that started with a weekly meditation, and then it evolved into teaching centering prayer in the community at churches and, and, and now, you know, Zoom sessions. And, and then it evolved into coaching people one-on-one -on -one and teaching them how to do it, and then helping those that have been doing it for a while to go deeper and learn who is their true self and who, who, who should they be. And then it evolved into, into me um, writing a book. So none of this and getting it published last August. So it opened up that whole world, which definitely was not even in, in the cards prior to that. <laughs> right. Letting the divine work in your life and your response. Right. Yeah. Trusting the nudges and getting out of my comfort zone. And, and so it's going to be fun and exciting to see, okay, what, what else will I do over the next five, 10, 15, 20 years yeah. and, and trust those nudges. I love that. And I really feel like I know in my own life, that's been true too, that it's kind of letting go of that control of I know everything. I've got my map, I've got my plan. And now it's more allowing my life to be informed. Right. I mean, that's, that's true. And, and it's in the beginning, it was ner a little nerve wracking. But now it's just, you, I don't need to know everything. I just need to know the next step. And as I take action, kind of the, the right doors will open or the right or the path will evolve. But you know, clarity comes with action. So as I take action, the path will become more clear um, with God, <laughs> pushing yeah. me, nudging me down the path. And I don't need to know all the steps. I just need to know the next step. <laughs> Right, exactly. Tell us about this coaching practice. This is a very unique approach to coaching that you're doing. And I would love for you to dive in how you work with people. If someone's just 
completely stressed out and lost and maybe hasn't even ever meditated before, but just is resonating with you, how would you, how do you work with people? So I guess there's, right now I'd say three different types of people I end up, I, I, if I would put them in three different groups. So the first would be people that have never meditated. So I'm teaching them, you know, what is centering prayer and I'm, and, and I'm teaching them, you know, how to begin taking baby steps with them and helping them set up hopefully a long-term sustainable practice, you know, beginning with one sit and, and talking about what are the barriers and obstacles that are getting in the way and, and helping them to eliminate and neutralize them and then encouraging them to add a second sit and then just talk, listening to them, you know, how, how is it going and, and what are you noticing about yourself or what are others noticing about you? So there's that group. And then there's uh, the, and ironically, some of that some of that group is pastors and ministers because they're the first people to tell me, you know, they're taking care of everybody else except themselves, and they, they don't take time for their own self care. So I've actually <laughs> coached a couple different clergy um, to help them begin a practice, or even to remind them you need to practice. And and I had one gentleman that I, I would and I got his permission, and I would text him and remind him to do his first sit and remind him to do his second sit, and that. that so that's that group of, of people that didn't have a practice and helping them get started and established and then adding a second sit. And then a second group of people you know, that want more and to go deeper, uh, deeper in their practice. So maybe they have one sit, but they really don't have the second sit and helping them integrate it with, with their life and, and add a second sit. And then a third group that have established practices and want to go even deeper. So we really talk more about who is your true self? What are the inner nudges you're getting? Um, what, what do you think God wants you to do? And, and talk a lot about where we're not even talking about how to do the practice and, because they're doing it. And right. now it's a, more, a matter of, you know, who is their true self? How can they discover this person? And we can talk and I can ask a lot of questions. They can do journaling. They can do other types of prayer and pulling out of them or who, who is their true self? Who, what's next for them? What does God want them to do? Where is God leading them? So kind of those three different groups for now, if I take, if I take a look at some of the clients I've done, seem to fit in one of those three. <laughs> yeah, that completely makes sense. Let's talk about the true self. And um, what is your definition of the true self or how does that show up? How do you see that show up in your own life and how do you see it showing up in your clients' lives? And is there a commonality? Is there a theme that you recognize? So the true self for me is, you know, the person God wants you to be. And then, and it's not an end point, it's a journey. So, um, so it's not once you've done it, you've hit it, you, you haven't, it's, it's a, it's a journey a continuous journey of doing new and different things and moving out of your comfort zone. But then the next question becomes, well, then how do you know you're really <laughs> doing that? So I'll share my barometer and I'll share, I share with my clients kind of my barometer of my true self, you know, is, is one, it's something that excites me well, or I'll take a step back. I'm a big believer in affirmations. So in my iPad, I write down things that are important to me in different areas of my life, whether it's just my relationship with my wife, my relationship with my children, my mental, my health, my physical health, work, and any, any long-term aspirations I have. And I, I'll write them down in a form of an affirmation and I'll read them. And then I'll go into my centering prayer sit 
and let go of them and let them sit and brew with God during the centering prayer sit. So I, I partner with God on my affirmations and I'm continuously looking at these affirmations really on a daily basis, multiple times, Us- actually, usually before each sit and usually before I go to bed, because I'm a big believer when you go to bed, you can kind of let things stir as well. So um, it's God and I partnering on these. So if, as I keep looking at them, if, if I feel good and excited about them, if they give me a sense of peace and calm, if, if, they, if they give me excitement, even if they're outside of my comfort zone, just because I'm nervous doesn't mean I don't do them. So that's not a reason they should come off the list. Mm-hmm. And then as long as they don't harm me or harm others, they stay on my true self affirmation list. So I, it's just a constant partnering with God and making sure they fit that barometer. Mm. So, so if they're harming me or harming someone else, and they, then they really have to come off because it's not, it's not um, beneficial for me or for that other person. Right. But, not, but definitely not something I'm scared to do. Just because I'm scared to do something but excite, excites me, that certainly needs to stay on the list. Yeah, I like that approach. That's very... Um... I don't know what's the word, like it's tangible, it's intellectual. So you can kind of see how you're um, unfolding and becoming these things on your list. And then I assume you add new things to your list as time goes on. I do. I do. So I'm constantly looking at the list, tweaking them or making them a little more aggressive or, and then at times removing them. If I'm like, well, this really doesn't seem to make sense anymore. I don't feel good about it. And these other ones seem much more important Then, then they come off. It doesn't mean they won't come back later at some point, but so I'm constantly looking at them and tweaking them, maybe making them more aggressive or, or more intentional or more uh, something more, more tangible. We can kind of see oh, what really is the end result I want. Don't make it vague, make it more clear. What would that look like? Yeah. Yeah. And as we're working on earth and with material mat, like things are precise and they matter and you have to measure and you have to work towards something specific or you get mixed chaotic (laughs) results. And then you don't know, and your mind is scattered. And so let's talk about those, the mental benefits now of meditation and centering prayer and keeping your mind focused, keeping your mind sharp. Can you share what that's done for you and how you see that showing up for your clients also? Sure. Um, well, definitely, you know, more inner peace, more calm, more joy, more, more excitement for life. I noticed, you know, during the workday, I'm better able to focus. Because if you think about it, during centering prayer with the sacred word, we let go and open to God. And you can do the same thing outside of centering prayer. You let go of the things you don't need to hone in and focus on so that you're then really more focused on the task in front of you. So I'm, I think I'm more focused and I'm finding I'm more productive at work. So, and I even encourage people, no matter how busy you are, take your time for your sit because it has a way of giving you back time. And, and you, you may not initially believe me, but you have to try it and test it for yourself because there was a period of time at work where I was super busy. So I added a third sit. I just shortened the length of each sit, but I added a third sit because I needed more silent time to reset, recharge, reconnect to God so that I could get back to work. So I like to tell people, you know, it works and just trust the process, trust God. And it has a way of bringing you into the present moment and honing in on what's important and letting go of what is not you know, in front of you at that time. 
Yeah, for sure. Because I mean, that's really like in all of the research and the data about meditation and meditators, it's really about that ability to learn to harness and focus your awareness and your attention. And, you know, like people, it's interesting that you say that about time, because it seems like people who do make time for these practices, oddly enough, have more time because they're utilizing time more wisely, I think. No, and I'm, I'm always frequently and very amazed at, you know, I do my second sit and then I do, I continue the work day. I'm working from home now, as many people are that, you know, we're working in office buildings or working from home. I'm always just amazed at, my God, I got, look at what I got done. And I really think it's because I took the time for the second sits and was able to slow down and then focus. And it made me just that much more productive. Mm. Yeah. And, and another thing. Go ahead. Okay, that's okay. So another thing I, I was going to, I will mention too, what happens during it is, you know, our bodies uh, hold a lot of repressed emotions and, and tension. So we have a lot of thoughts that we're holding on to in our body or mind or, or all kinds of places. And we, uh, so we have a lot of repressed emotions and tension being healed and meditation and centering prayer is a safe place to sit. And it starts unloading and coming out of you. So you, during centering prayer, you might have weird emotions come up that you didn't know you had, and then they can go all the way back to your childhood. So it's, it's, it's therapy. It's, 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 I guess the creators of centering prayer refer to it as divine therapy, where you're releasing all of this tension and repressed thoughts and emotions in your body. And they're coming out and being replaced by, you know, by God filling right rate as they say, which is kind of a neat racing in to fill that space that was filled with the emotional baggage of a lifetime. So it's, it's healing as well. So not only a lot of the things we talked about, but it also is, can really heal you. Mm. And, but I'll also say some people that have had very traumatic experiences might probably, or probably would need, you know, meditation, but also a professional. So and see professional. Yeah. And I've, you know, in um, doing meditation for a long time and um, I didn't do centering prayer meditation, but I learned Vipassana, which is just noticing your thoughts and constantly noticing them and letting them go, noticing and letting them go. And that there are psychological breaks that can happen. And I love that you said about um, emotions being stored in the body. And that is so true. And in a course I'm taking right now, they said, um, that emotions are physiological responses, that they don't just happen in the brain, they get locked in the body. So you're totally right about that. And I like that um, vision of as you release that space, you create that space for God to come fill you up where all of that tension and or whatever was living there was. Yeah, that's beautiful. So tell us about your book, Rich, and tell us about um, your business and how people can work with you. Sure. Well, the book um, was published in August of last year. So it's called uh, Sitting with God, A Journey to Your True Self Through Centering Prayer. It came out last August. And I guess the, the gentleman who I think I mentioned earlier, I came across Centering Prayer in Amos Smith's book, Healing, uh, Healing the Divide, Recovering Christianity's Mystic Roots. He and I became friends because I reached out to him when I read his book asked him a lot of questions, and I began working with him off of his site before I created my site. He's the one that nudged me to write a book and said, I think you have something to say. Okay. So um, I took him up on it, and I wrote the book over a couple of years, Saturday mornings. Um, I didn't want to take time away from the family, so this is pre-COVID. Use about 6 a.m. I disciplined myself. It's from about 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. 
I wrote on Saturdays and, that, and that's how the book actually got written. And he kind of was a great mentor through the book writing process and then reaching out to publishers and, and lo and behold, you know, here I am with, with a published book. Um, so that's, that's the book. So, and, and I'm spending a lot of time, you know, sharing it either on shows such as yours, I'm getting in front of a lot of centering prayer groups and spiritual director groups. So I'm doing you know, shows I'm doing um, in front of groups and book study groups as well. And I am, and even myself, I'm doing um, Facebook or or I do Facebook lives to share it, but I also am doing currently right now doing a a weekly book study chapter by chapter. So every Saturday from one to two, whoever wants to join me clicks the looms, the zoom link. And we, I highlight key points. And then I ask a lot of questions and there's just a lot of conversation between me and the people that join the call. So that's one thing I'm doing now. Um, and then obviously, uh, one-on-one coaching with um, individuals in those three different areas, either new to centering prayer, want to go deeper in the center, centering prayer, or really want to figure out who is their true self. Mm-hmm. And I also teach centering prayer. So for example, yesterday I was teaching, if I'm trying to get their name right, the Canadian Spiritual Directors. I'm sure I'm saying the name wrong, but it's in, it was an organization in Canada and it was a, a group of 30 or so spiritual directors. And I talked about centering prayer, shared how to do it. And then we did a sit together and we talked about it. So I'm also teaching centering prayer and or doing talks to groups like, like that. As, as well, where I can. In some cases, I'm reaching out. In other cases, I'm just getting a random email because they've seen my book and see what I do and just are interested to see if I'll come talk with them. Yeah. It's been a whole lot of fun. Awesome. I love that. For your calls that you're doing on Saturday, is it is the book sequential that somebody needs to kind of start over or can somebody just join you on a Saturday and hop right into the call? Anyone can join. I mean, it, I'm just doing chapter by chapter, but the way I do it is, is I'm just, or I advertise it as if you've read the book, join. If you're currently reading, join. And if you have no intention of reading the book and are just curious, join. Because really, it's just me sharing some key points from the book, further expanding on them. And then at the end of each chapter, I have questions for reflection and discussion. So I'll go through that and I'll answer for myself. And I'll open it up to anybody who wants to share their answers. And then even during the whole time we're talking, I'm pausing because someone will raise their hand and, and, and have a reaction to what I shared, or it just brings up something in, in their mind that they want to share. So it's really not, it's not me. And I, and I announce when we start, I tell them it's not me talking and teaching that it's us having a conversation. So it's just actually, it's just a fun time to get together with with people and talk and listen to them as well. Wow, that sounds amazing. Rich, how can people find you and where can they get your book? Sure. Um, Best place to find me is silenceteaches.com. And on my site, if they subscribe, they'll get my free Centering Prayer ebook. And then as they look on my site, they'll see an About the Book section. So they'll see, you know, a little bit about the book and they can click through the links to Amazon if they want to purchase it. Um, They can look at my coaching page if they, if they want to explore that idea and, or if they're, you know, part of a group that wants to have me speak, they can go to my invite me to speak page and reach out to me and see if, you know, if it makes sense for me to speak to their group in some capacity, but silenceteaches.com. And people can also find the links to your zoom meetings on silenceteaches.com as well. 
or for that, um, well, I guess they'll see them in the post because my weekly meditation will share that I'm doing it. And then if they follow me on Facebook, uh, like I put it, you know, I, I put it out there on Wednesday and then I put it again out there today, just reminding people, whoever wants to join us, this is happening on Saturday from one to two, feel free to join. And they don't even have to, I had one person that was not very comfortable and I said, you can join by phone or you can join and mute and turn your video off and just listen. So I, and she did, and I was glad she did. That's what she felt most comfortable with. So I encourage people come, whether you've read or not read the book and you're curious. And if you don't want anyone to see or hear you come and mute and turn your video off and just listen. And I'm fine with that too. <laughs> All introverts are welcome. <laughs> Well, Rich, thank you so much for joining me this morning. I really appreciated our conversation and congratulations on your book and the work that you're doing in the world is just so important right now. So I really applaud you and appreciate you for what you're doing. Thank you. No, thanks for having me on. And hopefully this is something that your community will, uh, it'll help and be beneficial for them too. So thank you for having me. Absolutely. 100%. Thanks a lot. You've been listening to The Powerful Creator Show with Cheryl Sosnowski. Subscribe at iTunes or go to PowerfulCreatorShow.com and join our email list so you never miss a future episode. Have a powerfully creative day.